What is up, ladies and gentlemen? I am Gerald Daly, and this is The Drop-In. You already know that. And I thank you guys a million, kabillion times every show because I don't take your time lightly. You spend an hour with me and the amazing guests that come walking through that door here at the NRM Studios, and that's important. It's an hour out of your life. So thank you guys so much for sharing this stuff across the world. The show continues to grow and, and gain traction, and it's all because of you. It is all because of you. I get to sit here and be like a circus monkey, basically. I get to facilitate uh, a sort of an interview, but if you've watched the show before, you know it's a loose interview. It's a conversation between me and the person sitting across the table from me, and you guys get to learn what's inside their head, how they got to where they are today, and that is usually as enlightening for me as it is for you, because I've had friends in here who I've known 20 years, 20 years, and I'm learning new things throughout the 58 minutes that we get to sit here and spend with you. So thank you guys so much. I'm wearing this awesome hat today. I've wore it before, but I don't think I've commented on it. It says Parallel Worlds. It's my buddy Johnny Laser. You can check him out on Instagram, Parallel Worlds. And he knits these himself. He knits them himself, and you can get these cool little bags. He does some T-shirts, some different kinds of things. So if you like this lid, check out underscore Parallel Worlds underscore on Instagram or Johnny Laser LZR. He's just an awesome dude with a great message, talks a lot about uh, mental health awareness and dealing with those kinds of things. Thing. So support the good stuff, man. That's what I do. I support my friends who are making really, really cool stuff. So I got some more colors coming. He knits them uh, custom to the color you want, which is rad. You know, I'm like, I want ugly mustard yellow. He's like, I can do that. And so uh, check them out if you get a chance. But today, today on the show, I have a gentleman here in studio. And we met, I don't know, a couple, three years ago. We had known about each other for a while. And uh, a friend of ours, Kelly Luttrell, I believe, connected us. And we talked about doing a show together, doing some different things together. I actually even went on the road with him and watched him speak at uh, one event. And uh, just, you know, he's a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. We don't get to connect a lot. And finally, you know, I'm like, Johnny, what do you got going? He's like, you know, I happen to be in town for a month or so. I said, can you can you make it down? Can you come in the studio and spend an hour with us? So he is here today, and I want to introduce you guys to my very good friend, John Demetrician, the Motivational Cowboy. Johnny, thank you what so much, man. What is going on, man? I tell you what, you're pumping me up, brother. I go, this is just like old times, you know what I mean? Yeah. What a great studio. This place is awesome. Yeah, the everybody here at NRM, you know, uh, Angel and Kelsey really take care of us behind the glass, and everybody here, it's like a giant family. Everybody's looking out for everybody, yeah. and uh, it's a really comfortable setting to be in. Well, I it's an absolute pleasure to be here, man. And I'm pumped. I'm just glad, you know, you're you're all over the place, man. You're either speaking or you're you're. I mean, throughout the summer, you're traveling all over the country. Yeah. And we're gonna get into a lot of that. But uh, the first question I want to ask you, because your last name does not contain a vowel, because it's sometimes Y, and and your last name is Demetrician. D M Y T R Y S Z Y N. Where does that come from? What is that? It's Ukrainian. And the cool thing is, you know what? I, I got held back twice because I couldn't spell it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I didn't. But, but you know, even if you, um, when, you're, when you're playing Hangman, you get all those letters, I still win because you don't know how to say it. <laughs> and, and listen, it's 10 letters. Every third letter is a Y. 
Well, and I, I was looking at it, you know, because I, I had to refer to what it says on the email to spell it correctly. And I thought right in the middle it says, why try? And I thought that would be a cool, like, uh, kind of motivational type thing moving yeah. down the road that we could work on maybe. Nice. I don't know. Something I was thinking well, about. Something funny about that, you know, um, years and years ago when I got my start in speaking, and I, my, my very first agent says, you need to, to uh, Americanize your last name. And I said, no way, man. It's too unique. I go, even like back then, I mean, you had to cold call, cold call people, right? So when you, you couldn't send an email, there wasn't even email back then. So when I, when I sit there and leave a message, I'm like, this is John Demetrician. And they're like, John the Electrician? I said, no, Demetrician. I go, let me spell it for you. And even if they didn't want to talk to me, even if they didn't want to talk to me, they go, oh, what a cool name. And then that turned into two minutes and three minutes and four minutes. And then next thing you know, I'm getting booked for the gig because of my name. That's so, cool. Yeah. Phonetically, it would be it would be spelled like D-E-M-O-T-R-I-C-I-A-N, like Demotrician. Yeah. yeah. But it is a very interesting name. And I, I wanted to know. I'm like, where does that come from? People always ask yeah. me, where does Gerald come from? Because it's not a very common name. And I just know it's like Celtic. And my dad's name is Gerald. Other than that, I have no clue how it got in the family mix. My grandma just said, I don't know, Gerald, that sounds cool, cool. And it works, and there's not many around the world, and yeah. that's all I know about it. And it means, like, spear bearer or something oh, wow, if that's you cool. track it back. But uh, anyway, names are very cool. Yeah. Demetrician is very interesting. Uh, and talking about your heritage, let's start where we start on the drop-in and uh, growing up. How was growing up, school, family, those kinds of Man, things? Man, it was just like you. You know what I mean? I played hockey. Played hockey for 20-some years. Um, I, I thought about that. When I got the email from you, I'm like, you know, growing up, that that's so cool. I remember, I remember like baseball was back, big back then, playing hockey. And then if you if you were able to play winter hockey and spring hockey, you were doing it, man. Mm-hmm. And and I I'll never forget I was playing baseball and spring hockey. And I was I was in the back of the station wagon. You know, my mom would be in the front. I'd be changing from one sport to the next, going from point A to point B. Why? Why my dad was working two or three jobs to make ends meet to to be able to do that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, so sports was like a really cool thing for me. I mean, that that's like I guess where I was able to to relax a little bit. I hated school. wasn't good in school. Um, um, I was thinking about this, and I, and, I, and I talk about it in my presentations. We've, we've all been through things, right? I got held back in second grade because they told me I couldn't read very well, couldn't spell very well, and couldn't communicate very well. In fourth grade, I overheard somebody telling my mother at school, don't expect much from your son. He's not going to amount to much. So you, you, you go a long time thinking you are going to be a loser, you know what I mean? And, 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 but I, in, instead, I took that, that negative energy and I did something positive with it. I'm like, I'm not going to let them tell me who I'm going to be. You know, so, so playing hockey, that's where I really, really got to, to just be a, a normal kid. You know, I wasn't a normal kid in school. I hated school. Man, if I got a C minus, I was like, yeah, all right. Yes, this is great. If I got a B, man, my mom and dad went through the roof. <laughs> you know, so school wasn't my thing. And uh, uh, so hockey was. And um, so that's where I spent a lot of time. And then, um, you know, found a mentor and somebody that believed in me and uh, changed my whole life. And it happened to be a, a teacher back then. So. so through high school, um, you know, our story is very similar. And I, yeah. I've never looked at it quite like that. But for me, uh, you know, with the brace on my legs and being deaf in one ear and people call me R2-D2 and all that kind of stuff, um, 
you know, I think sports is where it was. It was a level playing field. Yeah. Like, nobody made fun of me. And I was the goalie. Nobody right. wanted to be the goalie. Well, and so I'm was like, I. Woohoo, I'll be the goalie. You can <laughs> right. shoot pucks at my head. So I made friends by being a punching bag, sort of, kind of. Right. Yeah. And, and it just uh, ended up being something that I really loved to do. Yeah. And then when you're good. Uh, you 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 had the opportunity to to move up from mm-hmm. like JV to varsity, mm-hmm. and that was a big deal. And then the, the all the seniors and juniors hated you because you were a freshman, working out with them, and they're like, "I'm going to show this kid," you know what I mean? And they're blasting pucks at you at 100 miles per hour. I'm like, "This is great! Keep it going! Come on!" You know. Speaking of that, I just <laughs> happened to check out the NHL All Star Game or the All Star Weekend. Yeah. And a guy shot a puck. Over 109 miles an hour. Isn't that crazy? 109 miles an hour. Zdeno Chara, a few years ago, Zdeno Chara is like six foot seven off his skates or something. His yeah. stick is bigger than, like, they had to change the rules for this dude. Like, his <laughs> stick is so long. And he shot 106. Yeah. And I was blown away by that. I happened to watch a little snippet, and it was like 109.2. And I'm just like, what the? There's no equipment that's going to save you <laughs> right. from that. Yeah. It's crazy, and and I'm thinking, I got shots, like the scar here, the scar here, are shots through my face mask, and I know they weren't even close to 100 miles an hour. Right, right. But what happens when you get hit with that? Gerald, and we didn't have equipment like these guys do today. You're very so, correct. So, <laughs> you know, I was just looking at some pictures. I saw a picture of you online as a kid. Oh, yeah. And, and then I had some, too, and, and I went back, and it made me think about those things. Our equipment stunk. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. At least we had masks. But I'll, I'll never forget the one one time I was uh, working out with um, uh, the varsity team, and I was a freshman. And this dude comes up and right at the hash marks and blasts a slap shot. And that's when we had the neck guards, like, mm-hmm. and they were the plastic ones, and it shattered like in a million pieces. And he's like, "Yeah, I thought so. Get out of here." And I'm like, "Man, I'm going to go get another one and come back." And he, I come back, and he's like, "What is wrong with you?" I said, "I'm nuts." <laughs> you know, most goalies are. Most goalies are. Whenever anybody said, "You know, what position do you play?" I'm like, I'm a goaltender, and they're like, yeah, well, you're probably crazy already. They right. just put you in the corner and hope that, you know, when, <laughs> when, the, when the buzzer goes, you come out and you do your thing, and then you go back in the corner yeah. or under the stairs or wherever they keep you, and then you come out and stop pucks for us. Right. That's what happens, you know. But I want to know more about this mentor. So you say you had a mentor in, uh, was it high school? Yeah, yeah, it was my English teacher. And um, uh, she came up to me, and she said, there's something different about you. And I said, yeah, there, you're right, there is. I'm a goalie. <laughs> and she says, no, no, there, we've, never, um, we've never experienced someone like you at our school. I'm like, what are you talking about? And uh, later on that day, um, I got stopped in the hallway by um, the principal, vice principal, the counselor, and the teacher, and says, we need to see you at so-and-so time in the office. And I was like, man, I'd even do nothing this week come on, man, you know? So I walked in there, and they're all sitting in there, and they said, uh, we want you to head up a program for us. I said, me? I go, you got the right guy. Right. Did you see my grades last week? The C-minus club or what, (laughs) you know? So they said, no, it doesn't matter about grades. You have something unique about you. You get along with everybody, and people like you. And we want you to head up this program for kids your age, and um, once a week, they are going to come in, and um, before school, and you're just going to hang out with them. I said, and what? And they're like, they're like don't worry about it. We're going we're to put you through training and everything else. So um, I'm like, listen, this is crazy. Like, me? And um, I went to class later on that day, and she says, I told you there was something special about you. 
And I, I did the whole thing. And, and Gerald, you know what was cool? It's just like what, what we do today. It was cool to, to start, up, start out and like weeks would go by and nobody would show up. But I was there at 7 o'clock, just like they wanted me to. Well, then one kid came. And then two kids came. Then four kids came. And by the time I graduated, there was multiple classes of kids just connecting with one another. And um, I thought that was cool to, to, to do something cool with all that negative energy that I had within myself. Because at that point, I, I, you know, I didn't feel good about myself. But I was just returning the favor every yeah. single week, just showing up with a great attitude and saying, you know, it doesn't matter about grades. We love each other, man, and we're and together we are going to work things out. You know, we never know what the guy next to us or what the girl next to us are going through. We may think, oh, my gosh, you know, she has the nicest clothes and he has the nicest cars, but we have no idea what's really going on behind closed doors. Now, I think, where did you go to high school at, by the way? Um, Aquinas. You went to Aquinas. I was a good Catholic boy. <laughs> I, you know how rad it would be to start a program like that now? Just not only to get along with each other, but to continue to promote community. And you yeah. actually socializing with each other face-to-face and being real friends and not just friends on social media. That you I, could you, be earth-shattering. Are you kidding? Like, I wouldn't have to text you? I yeah. could actually talk to you? Right. <laughs> it, it would be groundbreaking in yeah. today's school to say, no, all you're going to do is show up and hang out. Yeah. And you're actually going to talk. Like, no phones. They go in the basket when you walk in the door. Yeah. And you're going you're gonna to hang out and shoot the breeze, maybe draw some pictures, do crossword puzzles, whatever you want yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly. But you can't do it through this. Yeah. That, that might be earth-shattering something You know, I was just thinking about um, me telling that story. I'll never forget. Um, you know, we both came from kind of, kind of like the same mold. Our fathers were kind of like, you know, uh, union guys, and they worked in factories and th- that kind of thing. But um, I'll never forget when, when I did that. And, 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 like, everything got kind of big. And, you know, they did a newspaper article and stuff like that. For years, my dad had that newspaper article on his toolbox at work. And years later, you know, um, to go back and see that article all ripped and, 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 and turning yellow and stuff like that. He was, like, proud of me then, yeah. you know. But, but he was the same guy that when I gave up everything— said, are you stupid? You're going to be a motivational speaker? Who's going to listen to you? I don't listen to you. I so. had my t- You know, the stories resonate so much because I, I remember a little bit different but very similar. Yeah. I, had, I was working for my dad, and it's not the easiest. Right. We were doing hardwood floors, which isn't the easiest job in right. the world. And he was tougher on me because I was his kid. You know, right. my, Our Christmas bonus was one year was me delivering everybody's Christmas bonus. And he's like, you don't get one. You're my kid. I buy you Christmas every year. So that was our bonus. Right. Finally, I came down and I said, you know what, Dad, I, I can't work for you anymore. And Dad, if you're watching this, I know you'll say you never said this, but I'll never forget it. And, um, and I said, I can't work for you anymore. I have another job. Yeah. And I was already a drafted goaltender. I was riding a skateboard. I was going to college. And he told me I would be nothing. He's like, you're nothing. You'll always be nothing. And I'm thinking, what? I can't believe he said that. Yeah. And then now years later, I think like you do. I see the things that he kept to memorialize different accomplishments. And I'm like, you know what? He is proud of me. And he yeah. was. He's he's tough on me, very tough on me. Yeah. But uh, I love him. Uh, you know, every every time I talk to him, I say, hey, Dad, I love you. You know, it's a good good thing. You know, gee, I met your dad uh, just a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, you did. A wild man is, is a really, really nice guy and um, um, very nice. And then I went back in there and he remembered my name. He remembered who I was. And... Um, but you talking about that made me think about something. My dad, every single day, from when I was a little kid to to being a you know uh, an adult until the day he died, 
he always told me he loved me every day. I mean, this, this man would call me even for 10 seconds. Just want to say I love you. Hang up. Hey, man, just thinking about you. I love you. Well, that, that's great. That's awesome, telling your son that, that, that you love him. But one day, um, this was years and years later, we're out in the, my backyard, and um, we're both having a beer, and I looked at my dad. Now, now, you never met my dad, but my dad was the guy that uh, looked like Santa Claus, big gray beard. He looked like a biker dude, you know? And um, I said, Dad, I said, you tell me every single day that you love me. And I said, I thank you for that. I said, but are you proud of me? Looked him straight in the eye. I said, Daddy, do you love me? I mean, you, I know you love me. I said, do you, you know, are you proud of me? And he starts crying. Never saw my dad cry before. And he says, of course I'm proud of you. He goes, I'm just scared of you. He goes, you know what you want in life. He goes, I took the safe route. I got a job. I, I worked for Ford for, you know, 30 some years. He goes, you're different. And he goes, I don't know how, how, to, how to handle you. And ever since that day, you know, I still got voicemails on my phone that just says, hey, I love you and I'm proud of you. But me having a daughter now, every day I tell her I love her and I'm proud of her. Yeah. So just sometimes dads back then, they don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to communicate the way we learned how to communicate. Yeah, it was a different know? generation, you know. And, and in today with my dad, with my mom, I, I tell him I love him every single time I talk to him because I don't take things for granted. You know, yeah. as, I, as I've grown and, and sort of matured, I'm still like 14, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I still take, I, I tell him I love him because I don't know, you yeah. know, anything could happen. And, and that's incredible um, to hear that, you know, uh, just some insight into yeah. how it was for you growing up and to see the similarities because coming from the downriver area, everybody's blue collar. Yeah. We, we all have similar uh, type early paths. Yeah. And then yep. what what does cause uh, the one person to go? Because I have plenty of friends who are working 40 hours a week at the big three. They're yep. stoked. They got a pension. They get there. And then there's people like you and I who are willing to take the risk to do what we love and know what we've been put here to do, right. and a lot of people won't take that risk. That's so right. I understand what your dad dad was saying for sure. Gee, I want, I, I want to just thank you for what you're doing. I mean, you're out there. I mean, this is almost 50 episodes that, that you're doing. I don't know where you're at now, 46, 47. But I just want to thank you for, for putting those stories out there because um, this is something now that everybody will be able to hear my story. They'll be able to hear your story. In perpetuity, man. And, 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 that's, and that's awesome. I mean, forever. Yeah. You cannot pay for that. You, a, a person cannot pay for that. And, and, we, and we just saw that yesterday with, with, with Kobe dying. Mm -hmm. you, you can have as much money and as much fame as you want, but it can, it can be taken away tomorrow, man. Yep, that is so, exactly true. So thank you true. for all the stories you bring to the table. I appreciate you. Well, thank you. I'm still learning to take compliments. So we'll, <laughs> we're going to move this show on right now. Um, so you, following high school, following high school, yeah. you spent some time in the corporate world. Yeah. What was that transition from you know graduating high school to where did you go from there? Man, I went to college. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for less than a year. <laughs> <laughs> I started my I started a business and uh, I started making really great money. And, um, and I thought to myself, who are these professors going to tell me about life and about making money if I'm making more than them already? Okay? That, it was just my mentality back then. Not saying it was right or wrong. That's just the way that I did things. And, um, and so, yeah, just one day I woke up and I'm like, all right, I don't want to do this no more. 
And uh, it was funny because on the way here, my first corporate job after I had my business was right over here in West Bloomfield, Farmington Hills area. And, um, and uh, I was a mortgage broker, man. And um, it, it was, uh, I, you know, being from downriver, man, this, this guy pulls up in a Ferrari and suits. I'm like, I'm going to be just like that, dude. He's positive and he's this and he's that. And I worked for him about eight months. And life was great. I mean, I was, I mean, working tons of hours, making great money. One day I walked into work and uh, FBI had everything padlocked and everything. He, he's in prison for 75 accounts of mail fraud and two accounts of investment fraud. And uh, I thought real quick, it's not the money that makes people happy because that's not what I want to do is spend my whole life in jail. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then from there, you know, I, I tried the whole corporate thing and and from there, I was a marketing director for a Fortune 500 company. And, uh, uh, but even before that, I started out in sales with them. And it was like they had thousands and thousands of salespeople. And I, was, I just loved my job, right? If you're going to do it, you do it 150%, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's all I know. Man, I mean, I'd be closing deals on top of the desk. I mean, I'd be doing just crazy stuff. And people are like, what is wrong with this Why guy? Why am I envisioning Wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> that's what I see in my head right now. Right? So, so, so when you're really good at sales, what do they do? They move you to management. Ah, uh, yes, and, and take you out of the field. Yeah. So uh, then one day, um, um, I, I I start listening to this motivational guy, and um, I'm like, I do this every day to my sales team. I have 30 salespeople and, and 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 phone solicitors and all these people working for me, and I do this every day. I can do that. So um, I called the guy. I'm just like you, man. I'll just pick up. The, I'm like, hey, listen, I can do what you do. He's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, sure you can. You know, I haven't heard this before. Right. And uh, next thing you know, man, I start doing presentations, and uh, here I am, 23 years later, uh, still doing it professionally. Now, uh, when you you know you spoke with this guy, were you juggling like doing the corporate thing and starting to yeah. speak on stage so, and, so and that, figuring yeah. it out? That's exactly what happened. So I gave like 33 free presentations. You know, I had to do I had to learn my 15 minute talk. You know, so in 15 20 minutes, I went to Kiwanis clubs and Rotary clubs and do do you know that that whole deal. And and then it was like. Listen, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it. So I walked in one day and I said, hey, Mike, thanks for the opportunity. I quit. His jaw hit the floor? His jaw hit the floor. He says, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a motivational speaker and uh, I'm done. He's like, yeah, you'll be back here in six months and I won't hire you back. See, I, I was always one of those guys that people say, oh, man, don't burn bridges. Don't burn bridges. Me? I burn them down so I can't go back. Because you're forced to make it happen. That's a Tony Robbins philosophy. You know, I, I'm not quite like that. Like, I, I have not burned too many bridges in my life. But Tony Robbins really preaches that, that yeah. to cut the cord, and then you have no course of retreat. You have to succeed, or and it's on you. Yeah. Gee, I remember having a house and everything, new cars, gave it all up. I had a old um, Ford F-150 that the window was busted out paid 600 bucks for it and uh, living in a basement apartment in Wyandotte, Michigan with two dudes that I didn't know. I had to padlock my door. I mean, when I say I got rid of everything, I got rid of everything, including the money. And, um, but I think that that's what made me. Right on. So, you know, you do these free gigs and I think one of the hardest parts of becoming a speaker, a presenter, is when you first start having to ask for money. You're like, this is my full-time gig. This is what I, I want to do to pay my bills. Yeah. Uh, 
how did that? How was that for you? So listen, my first gig, I still have the uh, the plaque above my man cave, right? It was two hundred and fifty bucks. I I spoke at um, a function for uh, um, Allied Van Lines Moving Company, and I said uh, they're like, "How much do you charge?" I'm like, "Ooh, nothing." They're like, "No, well we have to we have to pay a speaker." I was like, oh, um, what do you have in your budget? She says, 250 bucks. I go, yeah, I charge 250 bucks for a 30-minute talk. Back then, that's when they had the bag phones, right? Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. We, we didn't have cell phones like today. They the had the brick. bag. Yeah, the big, yeah. Right? I'm sitting across the street ready to throw up because now I'm a professional, right? Like, you're, you're, you're paying me to come in and talk. And I was like, I can't do this. They're paying me. I'm Maybe, maybe I'm not good. Maybe, dude, I went there. After I threw up three times in the parking lot across the street, I went there and I rocked it. I was like, "This is great, man!" And ever since then, it's uh, it's been cool. But let me let me tell you about the first time that I actually spoke, not getting paid for it. First time because you're a motivational speaker. It was at the Grind back in Wyandotte. Oh, back, the coffee house. Yeah, the yep. coffee house, which is now the Silver Ballroom. Yep. And um, I'll, I'll never forget. I walked in. And I'm like, hey, I want to give a presentation here. You know, I'm the motivational speaker, blah, blah. They're like, oh, that would be great. And um, I went in, and honest to God, they, they called me up. And I looked around, and I was like, oh, man, I just forgot everything. So I did what every typical good dad does, that his daughter's sitting in the back. She's two, three years old, four years old. She was four, five. She was five. I brought her up on stage with me, right? I said, hey, Jessa. She goes, what? I said, sing your nurse, uh, sing a nursery rhyme. She says, no. I said, listen, I gotta take you back to mom's after this. I said, I'll buy you some ice cream. Mary had a little. Got everybody singing and stuff. I'm like, this is great, man. She's only five. She's nailing it. I'm like, now, now I'm starting to get my composure. I'm mm-hmm. starting to have some fun. I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm like, hey, listen, sing your ABC. She's like, absolutely not. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going back and watching you. you know. And I said, listen, double scoop of ice cream. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then by then I was like, okay, cool. Rocked it. It was great. It was so awesome. But I'll never forget that time of thinking that I knew what I was doing and I didn't. Well, and, But and, I jumped right into it. And that's the thing. You know, I... I talked with quite a few different speakers different the way they prepare different things yeah. yourself michelangelo caruso yeah been good a friend. Guest here. yeah great guy and you know some script it some meditate some have it memorized that there's no one right way yeah to uh give a presentation you That's know right. each of us have our own comfort zone and how we handle it i have like bullet points yeah. no two speeches no two presentations are alike right and the one time i had to do a scripted one it was the worst time i ever was on stage because it wasn't my material That's right. and I was paid to deliver somebody else's <laughs> yeah. stuff. It wasn't passionate. I wasn't there. Yeah. And I said, never again. Never again. Same thing happened to me. Again, they're like, we want you, but we want you to do give our, here, here here's our book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, because back then it was like, man, the money was good. It was like, all right, cool. I bombed. The only time I bombed that bad. And I said, I'll never do that again. It's my stuff, and I'm just like you. I'm a storyteller. It's bullet points. No one presentation's the same, and uh, and that's where I think that people have fun. I mean, anybody can can hire a writer. You can memorize a talk. You can give it. I mean, there's past presidents and and celebrities do it all the time. That doesn't mean it's good. 
Well, there's something to be said, and and the folks here at NRM remind me all the time. They're like, you're you. You walk in the studio and you're you. You show up, you're you. Authenticity comes through the camera. You don't give any BS. You you (laughs) are who you are, and that's what it is. If you're doing somebody else's stuff, if it's a writer, a corporation, or whatever, it's not not your material. You can't deliver it from here. That's right. Um, And and that's such an important thing. When people are like, oh, I want to be that model because I can make money as a YouTuber doing that stuff, and they don't, they wonder why. Yeah. Because it's not them. It's not you. That radiates out who you are as a person. And with you, you know, uh, nowadays, the motivational cowboy, everybody knows that. You weren't the motivational cowboy when no. you first stepped on stage. No. How was that evolution? <laughs> so let me tell you that. I mean, you talk about getting to know yourself. Man, I was the guy that everybody, you know, told me I was going to be. The, you, you wore a suit. You wore a tie. You I wore saw your pictures head. and yeah. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, that isn't the John I know. <laughs> I don't think we have one, but I was like, oh, "No, wait a minute, who yeah. is this?" And, and, and listen, I still have, um, I still have pictures in, you know, in my basement and, and plaques and stuff. Uh, so I never forgot where I came from. But one day, I was like, "You know what? I don't feel comfortable in my own skin giving my talks." So the lady that um, hired me, or that uh, I hired to do my PR stuff, she, she's like. Um, Listen, I don't know what you're doing, but we keep getting, you know, messages about you wearing a cowboy hat and your cowboy boots. Like that's fine what what we do what what you do behind the scenes, but stop bringing it into your personal life or in your in your professional life. And I was like, "All right." I go, "But uh, you know what? I go, I tell you what. I go, we have a photo shoot next week." I said, "Can I bring my stuff and just see what other people see?" And she's like, "You know what? I'll give you 5 minutes and you better be good." And I was like, "Oh, man. I I not, I not pay this lady, right?" But I, it was it was right by the railroad tracks in Wyandotte, not far from where you live, man. And uh, it was early in the morning, and um, I put my hat on, I put just a regular shirt on, and I come around my truck, and she's like, "Go home and rip up every single tie you have." Nice, nice. And and at that time, it was MySpace, so I wrote a message and I bought you know uh, a, the Detroit Cowboy. And then uh, one day I was like, I sent an email to a friend. And I'm like, hey, from your buddy, the motivational cowboy. And, you know, my friend Tommy, he bought .org, .com, .everything. He's like, now you are the motivational cowboy. Nobody will ever know who Demetrician is. Everybody will know you by motivational cowboy. And that's it's been that way ever since. Well, so and most kinda... people do know you as either the motivational cowboy or Johnny D. Yeah, you that's know, it. And that's it. And I think that's great marketing. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, and it's authentic. and It's, it's real. Really, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I didn't make it up. I don't just show up and say, hey, I'm the motivational cowboy, but I never wear cowboy boots. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I go, I, I'll never forget the first time I got my first cowboy hat. I was in fourth grade, and my, my and my grandma got it for me. And that was like when, when rhinestone cowboy was big and stuff. And, dude, I wore that cowboy hat. And even in, all through school, it was cowboy boots. That's it. I mean, I had my corduroys and cowboy boots, you know? So... I loved Glenn Campbell, and I would, you know, I, I had busted out teeth most of my childhood. And I remember, I had, there's pictures of me with like the Glenn Campbell, and I used to walk around like toothless singing Rhinestone Cowboy. Like your daughter, everybody wanted, Gerald, sing Rhinestone Cowboy. It was my favorite song for so long. I mean, Glenn Campbell was the stuff. I had the cowboy hat, the boots. It ended up turning into combat boots and vans, but, you know, we all go through our stuff, That's you right. know? Um, you also, which I, how did you get involved with NASCAR? Because you do so many cool interviews on the NASCAR circuit, yeah. and it's comfortable. And, and again, we, we're talking about authenticity yeah. here. It, it's a perfect fit for you to be on that stage. It was so funny. I, I'm just like you when it comes to things. People ask me to do things, and I'm like, yeah, and they have no idea what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> 
right? And then I show up, I'm like, what did I just do? And then you just, I'm me, so... You roll with it. Yeah, so um, I was giving a talk, man. I was giving a talk, and um, um, this guy comes up to me afterwards and says, hey, we need an MC. I said, okay, cool. Well, what's an MC? He goes, I just need someone to go out and like pump everybody up and do some interviews with, with some drivers and stuff like that. I said, okay, for what? He said, NHRA drag racing. And I said, cool. I don't even know what that is. I'm like, um, he goes, well, what's your fee? I'm like, um, I, so I made something up. He goes, perfect, hired. I'll see you in two weeks. He goes, book your ticket, everything else. And uh, it has been 20 years that I've been with GM now doing NASCAR, NHRA, IndyCar racing and stuff like that. So it's one of those things I fell into doing what I love to do. I was giving a motivational talk and somebody loved the personality. So I'm getting paid to be a personality to go out and have fun with the fans and, and pretty, the drivers. And you're pretty much on the road. I mean, from, I, I don't even know, is it like June to freaking well, I'll October? You, I don't even know. That's a great question. Yeah, because um, I start this 30th. And um, I have two talks here in Michigan. And then on the 10th, I leave for Daytona. And then I, I'll come home like one or two days, three days, you know, um, a week. But then I'll pack up and go back out. Between my motivational speaking and NASCAR, I won't be off the road until November. So, and so, and but, it's not always easy living oh, out of hotel rooms and suitcases. Let me tell you, I, when, when people say, I, I can do what you do, I'm like, here's the microphone, man. You have no idea, just like you, this is all cool, like this one hour right here. But you did your homework prior to you coming in for this one hour. Right. I, I had to reflect and, and think about the stories that I haven't told in years, right? So there, there, there's prep work that goes in to a show. And it doesn't matter if it's an interview. If I'm interviewing, interviewing you for 15 minutes in front of 500 people, it better be a good interview, Right. And, and, and listen, we all know how fast the car goes and we know how how cool the team is. But the fans want to get to know you, you as a driver. And that's the coolest thing is when the drivers come up and say, like, that was the best interview ever. Thanks for just keeping it real. Or, and now the fans are like, are you going to tell a funny joke? And are you going to do this? And you're going to do that? So it's just comfortable. Yeah. You know, and I'll cool. tell you, it is a huge, huge honor when, when people do say that was the greatest interview. I had a gentleman on this show, and it was uh, we did a Skype interview from South Carolina. Oh, cool. And he's a gentleman named Sanford Lapidus, and homeopathic expert. I mean, he spoke at, like, Johns Hopkins and stuff. Yeah. I, I was a little intimidated coming into the yeah. interview. And I handled it. Just like this, you know, yeah. very natural. And he uh, it got relayed back to me. He's like, I've done hundreds of interviews, and that was probably the best one yeah. I've ever done. And when you hear that, and you have done your homework and, and, and asked some of the questions, I'm excited with, with you coming in here today to have some of your fans watch this show yeah, yeah, and absolutely. get to know who you are yeah. off the stage. Because yeah. there are thousands of people across this country who only know you as Johnny D for that you know 35 minutes that you were on stage, wherever yeah. you were speaking. Right. And now they get to know John Demetrician, the man behind the yeah. Motivational Cowboy. Yeah. And it's one of the highlights. It's for me to be able to do this show. Well, and I appreciate, like I said, you having me on, man. It's really cool to be able to talk about this stuff. Because half of the stuff, we just do it, right? Yeah. I don't reflect on like the past and stuff like that. But, but when you start thinking about it, I love it. I love entertaining. You know, I'm either on or I'm off. There, it, It's tough to find balance, right? Well, you, but you need to find balance. And that's why I take uh, about a month and a half, two months off. People are like, oh, man, it must be nice, you know. And I'm like, no, like I just worked 10 months out of the year. 
Well, and I want to you bring know, up something that people don't <laughs> think about too much, though, is because when you are home, yeah. I'll be like, Johnny, what are you up to? Well, I'm, I'm in the gym, you know, this many days a week. You you do put a lot into being in shape and, yeah. and being prepared to do what you do. Yeah, you don't yeah. come home and sit on the no. couch and just, you know, I'm staying, I'm doing nothing. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm drinking beers. I'm eating cheeseburgers. And I'm watching TV. That's it. Right. You're, you're still... Uh, doing different things. Yeah, you're prepping for the next show. You're you're <laughs> prepping for the next time you're you know because the last thing I want to do is get on stage, and and not be that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what and, I mean? And the other thing I know last year, I believe I was trying to get you on here last year, and you have which a lot of people don't know. You have uh, four spoken word CDs. Yeah, is that correct? And um. And a couple were considered for Grammys. Yeah. And when I called you last year, you're like, you know what? We're getting some some of the promo stuff. We're shifting some things around. You're like, gee, uh, they're considering my stuff for a Grammy. And I'm like, no way, dude. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what that feels like. Uh, how did you decide to put your stuff out there on audio like that? Yeah. So, you know, um, I like to say I trick people into being motivated, right? Because uh, uh, at the, I guess at the end of the day, who really wants to listen to somebody talk you know, on a CD for 50 minutes. I mean, I'm just talking about most people, okay? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something different. I love music. You know, I love playing guitar. I'm not good at it, but I love writing. I, I'm a storyteller. So what I did was I take I took music, and I took my stories, and I put them together, and it's a spoken word song. Well, and they're good. You know? They yeah. are good. And, and I tell people, I'm like, listen, I go, you're going to hate me? Afterwards, I'm going to make you cry. I'm going to make you laugh. But at the end of the day, that's the coolest compliment you can get is when people say, listen, I was driving down the road and I was listening to, you know, to track four and my kid was going, mom, play track two again. And I'm relating to a five-year-old and, uh, you know, a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. It's just cool to be able to communicate with people. And that's just my passion. Is And that's how the Grammy thing came up, yeah. you know, is uh, – I didn't even know what a Grammy was. Listen, when I got the call for the, my first Grammy, my, my my producer goes, Johnny D, where are you at? I'm like, oh, I'm in, I'm in Arizona. I'll never get. I'm in Arizona getting ready for a gig. I'm, I'm down at the um, luggage claim. And he goes, you sitting down? I'm like, no, I'm not sitting down. I'm getting my luggage. And he's like, well, you need to sit down. I was like, all right. He goes, your CD's not up for or can be considered for one Grammy, not two, not three, but four. And I said, well, that's cool, JC. I said, what's a Grammy? <laughs> I didn't it's know your, what it is. It's your mom's mom <laughs> is your Grammy. Right, right. right. Yes, right? my Grammy. <laughs> like, I didn't even know what a Grammy was. It, it, I mean, but that's how, you know, naive I was to the whole business. Like, I just love speaking. Mm-hmm. I love talking. I, lo- I, I love making people happy. And, and for that to happen... And then and, and then and then that one was cool. And then to get a second yeah. Grammy, I mean, that was really cool. I mean, I didn't get it, but just to be considered, right? And, and being, I mean, there there was like Kenny Chesney, Tim McGraw, and Johnny D. Well, and who and, would and, ever thought? And and in today's world, how quickly people can you know put music out there with the technology yeah. and everything. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of people who they have to go through to figure out who are going to be the top twenty that are going to be considered. Yeah. for those top. 
five nominees yeah, exactly. or whatever. So to even make that cut yeah. is is a, a, an amazing feat. It well, truly is. That. Congratulations yeah. for sure on that. And they are entertaining. They're very entertaining because I, I love that you put it into like a four-minute track or, yeah. or a, or a six-minute track where you're not bored. You don't have to listen to minute number 33 to get that little nugget you were waiting right. for. You're listening to uh, some cool music and the, this uh, spoken word that goes right with the uh, music. And, it, and it's actually making a difference. Yeah. You're actually learning something or getting inspired or hearing something that triggers an emotion, and you don't feel like it was a job. You know, it, the coolest thing is getting an email from a guy and saying, dude, I didn't want to listen to it. I did, and I just want to thank you. Or, or, or getting that, that message from somebody that says, I need, to, I need to see you. Can we meet? And I'm like, oh, boy. You know, and someone says, um, I talked to my daughter for the first time in 15 years because of you. That's why I do what I do, G. Yeah. And that's that's the cool part, you know. And, um, yeah, it's cool to even start thinking about it. You know, start making me cry now. I love it. I <laughs> so love it. change it to something we're, else. No, we're going we're gonna to roll right into you as an author because when you told me about ripping pages, I'm like, how are you the – only one I've ever heard that has done this because, uh, again, the same thing, accessibility, authenticity, and you write a book and you make the subject matter short and you encourage people to rip the page out yeah, and, and hang it on their fridge or put it on their toolbox yeah. or whatever. That is freaking brilliant. <laughs> so, and, 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 and it's spiral. It's a spiral notebook. And, and, and that's exactly why I wrote it is, um, you know, I do a lot of speaking for people that don't have time to read all the time, okay? And um, what I love is is for someone to be able to pick up that book and get something out of it in 60 seconds. But let's take it a step farther. Let's say that you want to tell your wife something, but you don't know how to write to her. You read something in a book, you rip it out, you put a little note with it and say, here, honey. Or, 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 or maybe you don't know how to say something to your daughter or your son. Maybe you don't know how to write it, but this book did, and it said the right thing. Well, you write that little note and put it in your kid's lunchbox or something. That's what's cool is when people start sharing it, and that's the whole point. I, I have companies that, that buy the book, and they're like, all right, man, this is so great. New people come in, and we're leaving notes all over the office with your stuff. And I'm like, well, cool. Let, let me know when you need more. Mm-hmm. Not even to sell them, man. I, go, I just spread like, love and kindness. and I mean, that, that's cool. You know, plus, plus, now here's the marketing side of it, G. You start ripping pages out of the book. You got to buy another you one. You got to buy another one, right? <laughs> you start missing page 13 and 24 and 36. And so. It's like my first, the first time I turned pro skateboarding, these guys are trying to revolutionize the skateboard. Yeah. They're trying to make the indestructible skateboard. I'm like, why are you going to do that? Like, right now, kids buy a new board every month because they wear it out. If they don't wear it out, they don't buy a new board, and the company goes under. What's right. the point? <laughs> I'm exactly. Like, you know, not that I'm trying to get over, but that's part of the game, <laughs> you know? That's right. <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, but ripping pages, I, rem- I remember when you first told me about that, and I'm like, that is freaking, that is a brilliant idea. Yeah. A really brilliant idea because I, I'm always writing stuff down or or. I mean, uh, calendars are a great example. Yeah. When you have those little calendars, and you get the motivational ones, and you stick them around. And to do it with a book, I think, is is a, a very, very ingenious idea. I'm hoping there's going to be ripping pages, too, so you can start doing more of that because uh, that it's book— It's funny is- you say saying that because right now that's what I'm working on. Because, you know, throughout the year, we're, you know, with social media and stuff like that, I start going back and saying— 
man, that was good. I wrote that like a month ago, and this was good, and this was good. I can start another book. Yeah. So that's exactly what I'm doing. And see, my next book, my first book was Voluntary Self-Achievement, which was yeah. for kids and which is uh, awesome. young adults. And my second book is called 100 Days. And, and I'm spending 100 days, an hour a day, writing just something. And again, easy accessibility, just what's going on in my mind, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, something that'd be good in a bathroom. You can sit down for a minute and read it. Or, you know, like I think of Uncle, <laughs> Uncle John's bathroom reader. Yeah. It's brilliant because every single uh, story in there is only a page long or two pages long. You can read it real quick and right. you get something out of it. And so I'm like, I want to write a book like that. Yeah. So 100 days. Hopefully I'll have it done uh, coming in a few months and get it to the editor and have a new book out. People overthink things. Yeah. Life in general is overcomplicated just because people make it that way. Yeah, just like, you know, have fun with it. That's it. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Am, am I a doctor? Am I a lawyer? Am I? Absolutely not. But you know what? I speak to those people all the time. And I'll tell you what, after I'm done, they're like, man, I wish I could be like you. Right. You know what I mean? Or, or like you. You know what I mean? It's like It's like they want that energy, too. So that's the cool part of getting to do what we get to do. If it's interviewing somebody or, or, or if it's going to speak somewhere, that's the cool part. Listen, I'm not going to go there. I'm not God. I can't change everybody in that room. But if I can change one person's thinking, that one person internally can change another person. And two can turn into four. And four can turn into eight. And you do the math, brother. And next thing you know, you got companies walking around going, outstanding, and high-fiving each other. (laughs) Well, and you let them know it's available. You just let them know it's available at any age. It doesn't matter at any age. It's available to live an inspired, passionate life. And when they see people like you or like me, and and we don't have a – I don't have a degree on the wall. I I left college like my third year or whatever. You got farther than I did. But I don't think life would have been any different than it is right now had I got that piece of paper on the wall. I don't really know. Um, and we can all like inspire others. Here, here's one thing. I'm going to I'm going to take your listeners right now on an exercise, if you don't mind. Okay, yeah. uh, listen. Here's the thing. I want you to grab your phone right now. Okay, I want you to grab your phone and I want you to text three people. Maybe it's four, and just tell them you're thinking about them. Tell them to have an outstanding day. Tell them to have an amazing day. Okay. It may be somebody that you love and that you see every single day. It may be somebody you haven't talked to in years. It's not, it's not Gerald or it's not Johnny D telling you, oh, you can live the outstanding life or you can live the amazing life. You can make an impact in someone's life right now. And I encourage you to text three people right now and tell them just to have an outstanding day. And I guarantee you within minutes, one or two things are going to happen. One, they're like, you know what? I really needed that. Thank you. The other comment could be, are you at the bar? I was just going to say, are you drunk again? <laughs> so, but, you know, and you'll see, it's not Johnny D. It's not the motivational cowboy. It's not G. It's you changing someone's life. Sorry, it's G. Simple. It's, it's, no, it's I a, love it. it. It's that simple, man. It's I always tell simple. the audience, you know, when, at the beginning of the show, uh, get a notebook. You're going to write something down. You're going to do something in yeah. this hour that's going to change things, and that's it right there. That's it. That is it right there. Now, I love telling embarrassing stories. I My personal embarrassing stories are pretty funny. But I want to know, uh, you got any good embarrassing stories from being on stage? <laughs> so uh, it's funny you say that, G. Um, these are the kind of stories that I don't get to tell, right? <laughs> but... You know, the, the embarrassing parts of life are the coolest parts. 
Listen, you, you don't just wake up every day and there's a book and tells you how to be a speaker or a host for a show or a professional skateboarder or whatever you do. Um, I'll never forget, I was doing a training out in California. It was when I, when I first started speaking, probably about five years into it, which is new, you know. I'm out in California. We're from Michigan. I go, hey, I, I gave everybody an exercise. I walk out and um, I had my microphone on and I called my daughter. And I'm just like, hey, you know, just I'm in California. I'm at, you know, at a training and just want to tell you I love you, kid. And, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. The next part of that is I went to the bathroom and uh, went back in. And I was like, man, everybody's like looking at me. They're like, man, cool. This is great. And I'm looking at them going, man, this is incredible. I, I must have really inspired these people. Man, they're looking at me like I'm like, I got it together. Did you forget so, your pants in the bathroom? No. You know what I did? At, listen, I go, okay, we're, we're going to wrap it up because they love it when you say you're going to close it up 30 minutes early because they get to go home, right? They don't have to go back to work. Well, I say, I say, um, does anybody have any anything to say? And this lady raises her hand and she says, yeah, I got something to say. She goes, can I give you some constructive criticism? I'm like, absolutely. I go in front of everybody and she's like, yeah. She goes, um... The next time you go to the bathroom or to call your daughter and say that you love her, you might want to turn your microphone off. And I just looked at her, and this is what came out of my mouth, G. I go, I'm glad it was number one. (laughs) (laughs) It's embarrassing, but actually, it probably went a very long way because, again, we've been talking about authenticity That's it, you know? know? Or or another time, I mean, I was like, like, one day I was here, one day I was here, one day I was here, one day, and I was on this big tour, and um, I'm like, good morning, Arizona, and I was in Philadelphia. So everybody, everybody starts laughing, right? And I go, well... Don't we all wish we were in Arizona right now because it's winter time in Philadelphia? So they just thought it was part of the show. When you're when when you do what we do, you got to be quick on your feet. That's for sure. You know that all the time, all the time. <laughs> you can have sure. an outline, but the outline could go <laughs> for sure. You know, and and different things happen. You have technical difficulties in any kind of performance uh, lifestyle. If it's music, if it's speaking, there, things always go wrong. Yeah. Nothing nothing ever goes exactly according to plan. If it's timing, if it's whatever <laughs> outfit you wanted to wear, whatever. Yeah. You know, you always got to roll with the punches, and I think that makes it fun and exciting, yeah. and it changes things a lot. Um, one of my personal favorite speakers is Wayne Dyer. I yeah, love him. Yeah, absolutely. And if you watch his his uh, his life, you can see his message shift as he continues mm-hmm. to grow as a person. Has your message shifted over the years? Because uh, living the outstanding life, it, it has to be a little bit of a transition as you grow. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny you even say that because just like with what you do, I I go back and I and I look at what I did 15, 20 years ago, and I look at the stories that I told. And I look at the stories that I tell today. And then one day, uh, not long ago, I was reflecting, just, just like you do. I wake up early in the morning, and, and I start writing all the stories I've ever told on stage. And it wasn't one page. It wasn't two pages. It was like three pages of just the titles of stories that I've told. So absolutely, because, I mean, I want to keep it current, too. Mm-hmm. Things have happened to me. Like, um, you know, years ago, people are like, oh, you know, it just must be nice. You know, you go out there, you speak, you make money, and you leave, and that's it. But, but people don't realize that there's that there's hardship that comes with that. You know, there, there are birthdays that you miss. There are funerals that you don't get to go to, wedding. I mean, all these things. But another thing is, when you do start making money, it's nice to eat. It's nice to actually eat because I starved for so long. Well, I got to tell you a funny story, too, is I got in trouble with the IRS. 
years and years ago, paid them off and did all the right things, right? Everything's legit now. But at the time, it was like, man, if I made money, I was eating. I wasn't worrying about paying my taxes. And this was years ago. It was almost 20 years ago. But I'll never forget the time I, I had to speak. And I had to take, a stage, take the stage in front of 2,000 people and talk about living the outstanding life, why this was going on in my life. And I was like, how am I going to do it? How am I going to get up in front of these people and fake it? I can't. That's not me, dude. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I know it's not you. So I did what any any cowboy would do. I got up on stage and I said, listen, how many of you believe in good karma? Everybody raises their hand. I said, so do I. As a matter of fact, I believe in karma so much that I got a nice letter from the IRS saying that I had an outstanding balance of over $33,000. Now, does anybody have a good tax attorney or an extra thirty-three grand laying around? Because I need to talk to you afterwards. And I moved on with my show. Again, authenticity, man. Right? So let me tell you what happened afterwards. Three guys lined up. And they said, is that story true? I'm like, absolutely, man. I'm almost in tears. Come on, dude. And he says, let me tell you. He goes, is that it? 33 grand? I go, well, it was only 13 grand, but with taxes, I mean, with penalties and and interest and all this stuff, I said, man, it turned into a lot of money. He says, let me tell you something. I'm in trouble over 100 grand. The next guy that came up and talked to me, almost $500,000. The next guy lost his business and everything. He goes, dude, it's 33 grand, grand uh, 33 grand, just pay it off. And you know what, G? I did it in a year. I paid it all off. Well, no settlements, nothing. I paid it because I owed it. You know, I I think there's something to be said again for authenticity. <laughs> if you don't take anything away from this show, it just be yourself. You know, you hear it straight from Johnny D. As his life has progressed, it's being himself. When he got on stage in a suit and things, that wasn't who he was. And until uh, he decided to step on stage as exactly who he is, <laughs> things took off. And being yourself, I used to get on stage uh, at middle schools. Yeah. And I would show up in my dickies, you know, my tattoos yeah. and a ball cap. And the teachers would be like, this the guy, you know, speaking to our kids, and you know, because they were used to people coming in in suits, or yeah, uniforms people like me, getting on stage. Yeah. And by the end, uh, by the time I came off stage, and I love, you said something a few minutes ago that I, I, I really, when people say all you do is get on stage and leave, I love the before, mm-hmm. I love the after, I love meeting people one on one. When I speak to middle schools, I take the time to sit in the cafeteria with the kids, yeah, that's and awesome. they take selfies and whatnot. And I eat the lunch they're eating and get to know them and let yeah. them know I'm, I'm really a, a, a person. I'm not this yeah. this untouchable thing. But by the time I would get off stage, teachers would be like, "Would you like to come over for dinner?" You know, and <laughs> right. I'm like, "Wait a minute, you were the one saying this dude and the tat." Tattoos and the half yeah. speaking, and then by the end, they're saying, you know, can I get a copy of your book, or will you? you That's come right. Up? And it's just being myself. If I showed up in a different uniform, I wouldn't feel comfortable. No, I wouldn't be able to get up there and deliver a passionate, uh, life possibly life changing uh, presentation yeah. to 500 kids. That's and, right. And you are exactly the same way. So I want to know. I want one of those hats. So what I look as cool as you in one of those, you think? Uh, Listen, I'm just wondering. Cool, dude. (laughs) Can I pull off that hat or not? You know, because I I want one. I think I'm gonna go home and order my own. uh, I buy one of them blue. Tell Johnny Laser exactly what you want at Parallel Worlds, but you you look pretty cool every time I see you, Johnny. So I think you can pull off just about anything. Uh, We're coming down to the last four minutes. Are you kidding? How long we got? Like. Three minutes, I think. Three minutes left. Holy Toledo. Um, I want to ask one more thing. When did uh, your motto come into play? Because you use outstanding in everything you do. It is great uh, and it works. I try to make it 
try to make it uh, real quick. Yeah. And, and that is, uh, people often ask that, and you've heard me talk about it in my presentation, mm-hmm. so I'm glad you asked. But if you look at the word outstanding, and you look at it backwards, it means to stand out, to rise above the rest and be a little bit different. It's okay to be different. And then they're like, well, how did you even come up with the whole outstanding thing? Real quick, I got married. I was really young. I had my daughter, got divorced, had perfect credit. After my divorce, I kept getting these letters in the mail going, you have an outstanding balance on this. You have an outstanding balance on that. And you have an outstanding balance on this. And they and I, and I someone says at work one day, and they said, hey, Johnny D, how are you? I said, outstanding. Thank you so much for taking the time to ask. And so then people were like, go ask Johnny D how he's doing. And they'd ask me, I'm like, outstanding. Thank you so much for taking the time to ask. And it just, I was living the outstanding life before I was even a speaker. How so it was fun. really cool how all that happened. That is so, actually very cool. So I thank my ex-wife all the time for, for ringing up that, those bills. Well, I, think, I think it's awesome. I, I, it's, it's a great motto, and, and it's thank you. easy, and it relates to everything in somebody's life, in my life, in your life. Uh, I like the word stoke because it goes along with skateboarding. Yeah. I think stoke in a fire. Also, what people don't realize is the word stoke is actually firing up the things around you, not just yourself. That's but right. It, inspiring everybody around you. Yeah. So I like that word a lot. And you inspire all of us, man, and I thank you for it. Well, <laughs> moving on. Um, anyway, uh, so if folks want to see more about you, how, what's the easiest way for people to get a hold of you online? MotivationalCowboy.com. I'm on Instagram, MotivationalCowboy. And then on Twitter, I'm at MC Johnny D number four. So, and then all that's at Motivational Cowboy. And, they, and you can get the CDs, the books, all Everything. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Man, I can't thank you enough, Jim. I can't believe it's been an hour, man. It goes quick in here. Um, and you are welcome back anytime <laughs> you are in town because I think we could do this. We could probably do this five days a week. Yeah, I don't even know if we if we even did anything on the outline. You know, that, that that's the whole thing. It's it's great having an outline, but I don't think we touched any half of it. You know, I like to feel guests comfortable, have the guests feel comfortable <laughs> what they're getting into. But, Johnny, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking very soon. And you guys. Where else can you get one hour of the Motivational Cowboy? Only on the drop-in, man. Only on the drop-in. We only bring the best in the studio, and I love, love delivering for you each and every week. So thank you once again for tuning in to this episode of the drop-in. I am Gerald Valley. That's John Demetrician, and this has been the drop-in.